Hello and welcome to episode 816 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, June 4th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on? Oh, it is another beautiful day in paradise. I have not had much sleep, which like brings me back to the old days. It's like a throwback. Throwback, throwback Thir- Thursday? Yeah, it is a Thursday. That's right. Throwback Perfect. Thursday. Perfect. Um, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a shorter episode today. We don't uh, have a ton to dive into, but we have to talk about the retro draft from last night, which we will get to. A couple pieces of news, kind of see where uh, where things take us. Let's start with, um, I wouldn't say it's big movement on the labor front. In fact, it, it's definitely not. Um, just the idea that, that we kind of heard that the 100-plus games that the players are looking for, owners say no. Now, I don't know if the players have definitively said no to the 50 games because everyone's pointing out how each side they're on, the middle ground is 80-something, and, you know, how convenient that is because it seems like that's, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty workable number at this point if, if we can get both sides to there. The thing of it is it's just that we're really running out of time. Um, and I don't really find... Uh, 100 terribly doable at this point. Anyway, one of the main reasons is uh, the owner side doesn't want things really going deep into the winter for fear of you know being blasted by a second wave in in the winter fall winter area that would cancel the playoffs, which is you know their big money maker. Let's be honest about why why they care about that, and that's that's primarily why. So, again, they've said no to something over 100. Not a, hundred, not a ton to update on that, but do, do you still think that we're headed toward 75, 80 something? Yeah, I think, we're, I think they'll meet in the middle. This is like your prototypical bad fantasy trade offer where the other side then offers something equally bad on the you know, other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You like, can come at them with something sideways, and they're like, okay, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I want Mike Trout for um, Joey Votto. Okay, well, no, no, I, I can't do that, but you give me, you know, Trey Turner for Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> exactly. And and let's just hope, obviously, that there's um, enough incentive and not too much acrimony to stay at the table and... and get to that middle ground, which, again, really seems to be something in the 80s. Um, yeah. I mean, it has to get done this week if they want to start it, that first week of July. Thing. And I think the fact that the NBA has come out with what their plan is and they're going to get rolling here pretty quick puts mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on MLB to get it figured yeah. out because I don't think they want to be the only sport not playing. Yeah. Um, and it looks like NHL, NBA is going to get rolling. NFL obviously, you know, starts in uh, in the fall, uh, but they're going to start ramping up activities, I'm sure, soon. So, yeah, I think uh, for sure, baseball is going to get figured out. Like I said, everybody wants to get paid. Like that, I mean, the players want to get paid, yeah. the the owners want to get paid, and uh, I, I think money, you know, makes the world go round, and it's going to make baseball come back. And yeah, hopefully, we get some big news. Within literally the next week, because I think, again, that's really getting to be a do or die, or I'll say are going to have to start looking toward something at the 60 and below mark at that point. If 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 they can't come to an agreement, 
um, again in in about the next week. Times times really running out there. All right, uh, we'll stay tuned on that. You know, kind of keep giving the the updates. Uh, that one's a tiny one, but barely an update. Um, we do have a bit of injury news, and it is severe. Chris Archer is going to undergo thoracic outlet surgery. No chance at this year. And the history of TOS is devastating. Your best case right now is Fultonevich. Nobody else has come close to really coming back on a on a strong level. And of course, he was already on the on the down arrow. Um, you know, there was some there was some hope that um, with the new regime and new pitching coach Oscar Marin that that things were going to turn around for Archer. But this is a devastating hit. Yeah, I mean, I was already out on Archer, uh, you know, and I've been out for a number of years. But uh, this is, yeah, I think the final kind of nail in the proverbial coffin, unfortunately for him. And it, it is unfortunate because. He is such a fun pitcher to watch and uh, just kind of a really good personality for the league. Um, you know, uh, and we've seen a lot of guys go and opt for Tommy John, thinking, oh, well, you're going to get a shortened season. You're not going to get paid as much anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, the chances you're going to hit bonuses and things like that are <laughs> lessened. And um, so people are opting for just, you know, do the surgery now and get out of the way for 2021. But I can't imagine he is drafted at all in 2021. No. Um, it'll be deeper leagues for like a buck just to say, hey, you know, we'll see what's up here uh, with Archer with regards to this, the TOS. Again, it's got bad history. Uh, it used to be automatic. A, a damn near automatic death sentence on your career. Now we've seen some guys get back, but it is still, again, Fulton Evich is really the only one I can come up with who's done anything positive. Um, and, and Alex, near Alex, level. Alex Cobb and uh, Jaime and Garcia, Matt Harvey. Harvey. Yeah, they've all had, I mean, you know, some of them have come back, but they just were never the, the same. Exactly. And yeah, I think that's, that's what it really dashes the hopes of is is the idea that Archer could regain um, some of his previous form, and I think that that's uh, that's something that you really, really shouldn't get your get your hopes up for at this point. So, all right, that's uh, that's the news on Chris Archer. There, let's talk retro draft because let's just cut to the chase. You won, good sir. Congratulations. I did, and you came in second. Hey, we were battling all, the whole way. I mean, if we'd come in, you know, 11th and 12th, we wouldn't be talking about this. When you, when you mentioned yeah, it, no. what, what retro draft? <laughs> yeah, no, never heard of a retro draft. We battled all night, mm-hmm. came through. Um, you know, that your ERA and WIP were able to withstand Gene Mar Gomez and, and <laughs> give you that big saves boost was, was huge. You know, I punted saves, which was not intentional going in, just kind of how it developed. And I was looking at things, and I couldn't afford that that Gene Mark Gomez hit based on 
yeah. kind of the way I was looking at things because I needed more anyway. The it, the way saves were in in this one compared to others. I was the only one punting saves, which is good. If you're doing a strategy, you, you want to be the only one doing it. Um, it can it can muddy things up when when there's multiple people doing something. But sometimes when there are multiple people punting saves, you can get that one guy who gets like twelve. You know, like Del- mm-hmm. Delon Batansis could have been worth two three points on saves, plus whatever else he offers. Gene Mark Gomez, you know, could have been worth. He wasn't even going to get me the one point at that point. I had zero. The next highest was forty. And I believe he had 34 or 37 saves. 37, yeah. Yeah, so he, that wasn't even doing it. I was going to have to keep stacking picks on there of bad of bad saves. So take us through a bit. Um, you had the second pick. You went with Kershaw, which definitely played a role in, in Gene Mars' uh, ability to get there because the ratios in 16 for Kershaw were so good you know he didn't have a massive innings count and that's why he was a little bit lower on my list but when you're talking about those ratios my god so 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 good so take us through a bit what was your initial game plan did you kind of pivot toward anything as the as the draft went on and uh let us know how it ended up here yeah so what i did was i went to fan graphs and i ran the auction calculator because we were playing 2016 and Mm -hmm. uh we have you know all the way back to 2013's you know final you know lines uh available in the auction calculator so i was like well i'm gonna let the auction calculator do the work for me um and when i ran it uh and you know obviously because uh you know we're uh we know what the results are and no one can get injured uh, I put a 50% bat split for between pitcher and hitting. Mm-hmm. And that came out with Clayton Kershaw being clearly the number one overall player. Uh, in spite of the fact he only had 149 innings. Um, and really, uh, let's see. The top hitter was worth, in, in this format, which is a 12-team a uh, you know, traditional Roto League, Top hitter was Mookie Betts at $29.7, according to the Fangraphs auction calculator. Uh, and that meant that there were, let's see, um, about 12 to, or about 15 pitchers that were worth more than the top hitter. Really? Well, that, I imagine, see, I, I'm such a doof. I didn't even think to use the auction calculator. I've been, uh, Messing around with, uh, you know, learning uh, dollar valuation via Z-score. So mm-hmm. I, I, I've been continuing to craft that process. So I, I've been working on that because uh, it's, it's new to me. Definitely not something that I'm uh, sharp with yet. And I went double pitcher. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine based on the dollar values that you had, that my picks were relatively justified with Bumgarner and Verlander as my top two picks. Yeah, over, I mean they were, the were the they were. Let's see, Bumgarner was the number six uh, player, and Verlander was the number nine player. Nice. Okay. Um, so nice. I got six and nine. Yes. So I made the decision prior to the draft that what I was going to try to do was one, I was going to punt batting average, and also weird. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to punt batting average, and I was also going to uh, punt stolen bases. I abandoned the I abandoned the punt stolen bases. Uh, ended up finish uh, getting ten points in that category, just because uh, uh, it just the, they were so to. bunched together. Yeah, it was like 
even though I was behind in him early, I was like, oh, I can still catch up pretty easy. Um, and so then what I, the plan was I was going to take three pitchers to start off my draft. One, we had a number of people in this draft that had not done this before. I don't, I don't think four or five people. And, you know, one of the things I, you know, noticed in my first one was the people who uh, had done one before came in with a real concrete plan and everybody in the new people like you and I last or uh, in the 99 draft. I know you did one last week, too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we just kind of tried to build balanced rosters yep. and did not uh, think about as much about like, oh, OK, I'm going to double punt this because, I mean, that's. What I've seen work a lot is double punting, you know, categories and just yes. winning the rest of them. Um, so uh, I figured if I could build up my ratio categories uh, in the on the pitching side, I would be able to withstand the Gene Margomez kind of picks later on, uh, and that's exactly what I did. I took yeah. uh, I took Clayton Kershaw with the second overall pick. Uh, then I took yeah Kyle Hendricks in the second round, who was my third overall player, according to the Fangraphs uh, calculator. Um, and then I took uh, Kenley Jansen, Kenley. who is the fifth overall player, according to really? uh, the auction calculator. So with my first three picks, you know, if you're going by you know the calculations I used, um, I got three of the top five players, and that really set me up well. To be That's able huge. to chase, uh, you know, all the other categories and then withstand some real hits to my whip and ERA later. Uh, but, I mean, it was close the whole time. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it came down to the final round in, in Adam Wainwright, uh, which was just, you know, I just kind of fell into him. And, uh, you know, uh, Bobby from uh, Fantasy Pros was very, very upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> being a huge Cardinals yes, homer that he is, uh, but uh, yeah, no, the the plan worked uh, to perfection, and it's been a really interesting experiment. And Todd Zola's talked about this a lot uh, and done some uh, good work over on Rotorwire, um, kind of talking about it uh, in on podcasts and in articles. Is you know, it's really it really shows you how much goes into roster construction. That oh, for sure. Like we have all the answers in terms of what players are going to do, but it's the it's the people who can construct a roster properly and well uh, that are the ones who are doing well in these things. So uh, you know, it was it was nice to get the W. That was awesome, man! Congratulations, and these have been so fun. Mm -hmm. And I actually um, I did do one last week. I finished last in that. I got my clock cleaned. I kind of uh, spent just so much time of of my prep time focusing on my offensive game plan that I never really had one for pitching. And it was pretty obvious. I was kind of sinking in that one last week. Um, with this one, I had a little bit more clear cut ideals of what I wanted to do. And so I was hanging in there with you and you had a few pull away picks there. Uh, Gene Mark Gomez was, was a big one when that one came through because of the 37 saves and because you were able to sustain it so much on the ERA and in, in ratio or in whip that, um, it, it really helped you. And then there was another one. I can't remember which one. Uh, Cameron Maben. Cameron um, Maben was, was, was a biggie, too. Like, and I mean, I don't know how many people are going to be doing these. Like, uh, Todd has made uh, these available for sale it's, over on Masters Ball. Like, it's so much fun. And, and I highly recommend people, if you're bored and you got a group of friends, 
uh, that are looking for something baseball related to do. It's or it's, your, your fantasy league, your, yeah, your, your mm-hmm. league that has not gotten off. Call, call the guys and gals and say, I got something for us, y'all. It's very cool. Yeah, and I mean he he'll load up he'll load up a sheet for you. I think for ten bucks for any year. So like ne- next time we this group gets together, we're gonna do 1947 um, because I won and I got to choose the year. Uh, mm-hmm. So coward for not picking 1871. <laughs> I, we discussed it because um, that's the first year Fangraphs has stats for. Um, unfortunately, there, there there's one pitcher ten, per team, and there's ten, ten teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean it. Like, the strategy, obviously, you know, is to, you know, you've got, I think you have to punt something and just, you know, part of it is hope that if some, like, that no one else punts the same categories that you do, mm-hmm. because that obviously, you know, uh, you know, there were a few guys who tried to punt ERA and whip, and when two or three people are doing that, then it becomes a lot more difficult. Um, and the only yeah. person that punted batting average uh, was Ryan Bloomfield, and I, I was just able to punt it just a, a tad bit more than him, uh, which really, you know, kind of allowed me to you know, build up those other categories. So, uh, yeah, it, I mean, a lot of fun. It, it's they're, really they're, interesting. They're so it's really interesting. This is only four years ago, and, like, the names like oh that were at the top. Like, you know, obviously there's still guys who are very fantasy relevant, and, you know, all three guys I took in the, you know, first three rounds – Kershaw, uh, Kyle Hendricks, and uh, Kenley Jansen, all obviously still fantasy relevant. But then you had, you know, guys like Rick Porcello went in like the first round or second, second round. round. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so what I'd love to see based on this one, because it is so fresh in 2016, is an ADP versus this draft comparison. Mm-hmm. Where did they go before when we didn't know anything versus where do we go once we knew their numbers, and I guarantee you, I gotta guarantee. I guess I can't guarantee. I don't know, but I would feel very confident in betting that J. Hap and Tanner Roark would have two of the biggest jumps. Mm-hmm. They were both fourth round picks in this, you know, because of, of course, you know, we know the stats. Yeah, and it's just so fun to see how the how the valuations change, and you know, it's an open book test, but it's still absolutely a test because it is very difficult. And people will throw your plans up in the air, or you know, they'll, they'll crush them because you'll be looking at player X, Y, and Z, and they'll go one, two, three in a row, and those were the perfect pieces for your game plan. Mm-hmm. So it's like even when you have a game plan laid out, the rest of the draft doesn't care. Yeah, I, I think too. Like another guy who like in that same fourth round, Eduardo Nunez. I mean, you know, he had that huge yes. 2016, but like in 2015, four home runs, eight stolen bases, 282 batting average with only 204 plate appearances. So like probably you wouldn't be drafted. Yeah, probably would have not have been drafted coming in 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, fourth round pick in this draft. Yeah, and it was it was fun to reminisce about some players. And, you know, we're four years now, so that is some time, but for some of the guys that have fallen off that from their perch, um, you know, Votto and Miggy jump out. They, they were, they were rel- quite high picks. Mm-hmm. Obviously they've, uh, they've really hit the skids. Uh, I took Chris Davis with a C in the 13th yes. round. <laughs> like that was like, and it was a solid pick. 
But well, now, especially with the punting batting average strategy. I mean, yeah, and that's that's what made the punting. I mean, usually I like punting batting average because it's uh, you know there's variance and you can punt batting average yet in a, you know in a league and still not finish last. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, just especially with the way baseball you know was played then, is is really still being played now. Is it just I could load up, I could you know not worry about batting average and really just load up on all the other stat categories. So like a guy like, you know, Mark Trumbo, because one of the other things I did was, you know, I ran the the auction calculator once and then I took out batting average and ran it yes. again. And, yes. you know, that's where I started, uh, you know, really looking at things and going, oh my God, you know, a guy like Mark Trumbo becomes one of the most valuable hitters if you discount batting average or yep. bunt batting average. You know, a guy like, um, you know, E5, Edwin Encarnacion, he, he jumps up a huge amount. Um, like, he became the number six overall hitter without batting average. Um, you know, Will Myers became a top ten hitter. Uh, Todd Frazier, who I got, like, super late, uh, maybe not super late, but I got, I got later, like, eighth or ninth round, you know, he was, you know, such a huge deficit. In batting average, because I want to say he hit like, he hit like 220. I don't even think he hit 220. I, I'm oh, pulling okay. up his page right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, he hit 225. Um, but like that was the year where he hit 40 home runs and stole 15 bases. Yeah, it's huge. You know, and 89 runs, 98 RBI. Like, and so if you can just say, okay, that one category doesn't matter. He becomes like a top, you know, 12, top 15 hitter uh, in the format. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I always have a column ranking guys without batting average, just just the counting categories only in case I'm either A, built up enough of a cushion, um, which I did try to do. It, it came in handy yesterday because I took Ortiz, Miggy, LeMayhew. Oh, I was so pissed about that Ortiz pick. It was such a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one got the, like the whole room. Um, and Trey Turner, when he hit 342, uh, only 307 plate appearances, but he was so high because 13 and 33 with his uh, homers and steals with the batting average kind of overcame the fact that he only had 40 ribbies and 53 runs. So I had a big batting average cushion. So later in the draft, I did start looking at things by the uh, by the counting categories only and pushing guys up that I could definitely take there and um, – and leverage some of that batting average cushion. And so I, I definitely think it is worth having that column of here's how their full value. Here it is taking out, um, taking out batting average because that can be such an easy thing to punt. Um, even more so when, uh, when you have the answers here, because now there isn't the volatility of potentially spiking a better season. So those guys are going to get pushed down even a bit further because like, why, well, you know, I know that Will Myers, you know, I, I used him as poster boy for you because he, he had such a good season this year that you, you, you take him thinking, okay, I'll get bad batting average, but he went 28, 28 and even, even spiked like a two fifty something. Um, but you know, you bring up the, the, the Trumbo example and, and there are many other, the Todd Frazier is actually an amazing example of that. Once you're punting batting average, he moves way up your board, whereas on everybody else's board that isn't necessarily looking at the average punt, 
he's down in like the uh, probably the 60s range of of players from that year, despite again 4015. So uh, yeah, I can't I can't reiterate enough how great these are. And you know, if you do have a group of folks who want to do it, ten bucks, pay Todd for his trouble. His sheet is so amazing. It is. Yeah, you'll it... find. Yeah, you, you'll find that the ten dollars is nothing. That that you, you you'll feel like you ripped him off because it, it it's it's that good. It's that uh, intuitive, and the way it like makes sure that you don't make mistakes about putting guys at different spots. It calculates the standings after each pick. It is a dope dope sheet. Yeah, and um, yeah, like you said, he'll load up at whatever year you want. Yeah, I mean, it's just what he's put together for this has just been so cool. And I mean, just the, you know, the banter back and forth in the uh, great room last night. Yeah, we were were cutting up, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, let's see who who did we have? We had you know you me Derek Van Riper, um, Al Melchior, uh, Peter Kreutzer, Ryan Bloomfield, Bobby Sylvester, Tim McLeod. Uh, Zach uh, uh, Steinhorn, um, like it was just it was like a really really good group. Uh, and Todd, Todd wasn't oh, drafting, yeah. but he was there with us. And Ron Chandler, he he drafted yep. uh, Bobby's first two picks because uh, Bobby was a little bit late, unfortunately, because uh, he wrote down the wrong time uh, time zone time yeah. zone issue. Which which meant he you know we made the joke all throughout the draft. He got to blame Ron hey. for his you know yeah. for his finish. You didn't lay the foundation of this team, dude. You don't you don't have yeah. any culpability, Bobby. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I, I I love these. I look forward to these every Wednesday. Right now, and um, you got the 1947 one coming up. I'm definitely going to try to get into that one. That'll yeah. be the oldest year that we've done, because even though I haven't been a part of all of them, I think the earliest one was uh, 1982. Yeah. So now you're peeling all the way back to 1947. That's going to be really interesting just to kind of see where things are at and, and kind of how how things go. No running. Mm-hmm. The, the steals. You think steals are tough these days. League leader, 34. Jackie, 29. Dave Philly, 21. That's it. The next one's 13. Yeah, it's going to be... It'll be real interesting to see how people adjust. I mean, because, I mean, obviously we've done it all the way back to 1982. uh, But, like, to adjust that far back, I mean, it was a completely different game. Mm -hmm. um, You know, and so... Because we're talking about, too, like... You know, a bunch of guys who threw, like, 240, 270 innings. You know, Bob Feller threw 299 that year. Uh, you know, had 42, uh, 42 starts. Um, we, should, we should raise our innings cap. So we, we actually put an innings cap on this one. This one's different from the others. Uh, we're starting to kind of add add different quirks on top of each one. This was the first time we had an innings cap of 900 because we were seeing um, – different different punts that involved punting some of the pitching counting categories and and loading up on you know saves era whip and and not having 900 plus innings or, or, or necessarily even that close to it and finding some success there that one that that puzzle had kind of been solved so now we put in the 900 cap i think for 1947 because of these volumes that you're talking about uh we got to up it at least a hundred to a thousand, if not maybe ten fifty, eleven hundred. Well, just because there's, there's a, there are only sixteen teams back then too, so that'll oh, that'll yeah, play yeah. a huge that'll, that'll curb some of it. Yep. 
Um, so and I'm looking now. There's there's only nine guys with with 250 plus. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe not that much. Maybe just to a thousand, we'll we'll cover it. But the league leader in saves had 18. So saves and stolen bases, yeah, are going to be really really scarce categories. So it'll be interesting to see like who decides to punt those, uh, mm-hmm. and then who decides to like uh, you know um, you know try to load up on those guys early, so that way they can avoid you know having to you know load their teams up with guys who stole you know eight bases or you know pay a lot for guys who stole eight eight bases or, or got eight saves. Um, I'm interested to see what the strikeouts were that year. Yeah, I'm actually uh, it's funny you say I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, on, only 20, 21 players had more than 100 strikeouts. Wow. So, like, Bob Feller is easily going to be the guy that probably goes, you know, first overall or, or up there because, you know, 120 games, uh, 196 strikeouts, led the league. So, yeah, and got three saves. Oh, those three. That's actually huge. Yeah. Yeah, he, he might be the number one overall. There's two guys who hit 51 homers, um, and then it drops down quite a bit. So they're going to be uh, top dogs Ralph Kiner, Johnny Mize, both hit over 300. 137 and 138 on the runs ribbies for Mize. So, I mean, they're going to be in high demand. Ted hit 343 with 32, 125, 114. So, yeah, I'm kind of mapping out the first round there. It's going to be really interesting to see how this one goes. I am so geeked for this one. So good pick there by you. And congratulations, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have lost to you. If I have to lose to anybody, we'll keep it in the family. And uh, you and I run one, two there with Derek tied with me at 73 and a half. You had 80. So you had nice, nice little lead there. You really, uh, like, uh, like I said, the, the way it works too, is as the standings are updating, you know, you, in the odd rounds, we're picking second, so you you know you're getting that, that extra pick on on so many players. By the time we get to the end of the round, it, it smooths out. So you'll see like, oh, he's got a 15 point lead. Okay, we get to the end of the round, it's it's down to seven or eight, which is still a pretty good lead though late. Yeah. So you did that twice where you spiked up big with Gene Mar and Mabin, but then even the the dust settling later that round, you were still holding seven eight point leads. And again, six and a half was the final margin. You done did well, good sir. So Thank you. congratulations there. And um I will be in that nineteen forty seven one so that we can we can battle it out with a whole new set of parameters. And again, mastersball.com, ten dollars, absolutely worth your time. You know, you can get nine others, a buck a piece, flip it over to Todd for the great work that he's done and have yourselves uh, you know, four and a half, five hours of fun. It's a puzzle. It's an absolute puzzle. Anything else? Yeah, I want to say one last thing. Like, just that kind of is applicable to, uh, you know, drafts nowadays. Obviously, we do these these retro drafts, and uh, they don't necessarily, you know, correlate that much to the current game. And so, uh, I'm sure there's some people like, oh, they're talking about the retro drafts. I'm I'm out. Uh, So, those of you who stuck around, like, you know, aside from you know roster construction being such a huge part of the game that I don't think necessarily gets enough you know gets enough you know uh, uh, airtime as maybe just talking about individual player performance. Uh, you know, the other thing is like really keeping track of what your competitors are doing. Um, yes. You know, I think it's so important 
you know, I know we talk a lot about NFBC and wanting to maintain balanced rosters so that way we can compete in overall contests. But in leagues that don't have an overall contest, um, uh, it you know it's so important to track what your competition is doing, and that's something that I really really focused on throughout this draft was not only figuring out which players could better my team uh, and kind of you know help put the puzzle together properly for me. Uh, but I had to really track what you were doing, you know, what Ryan and Al and Derek were doing, you know, all, you know, what Peter were doing, like, you know, the top half of the standings. Like, it was really important for me to track that um, to see where I could gain points and where I could lose them and where other people could gain and lose points. And so uh, it's really, you know, I think while it's a fun, you know, fun exercise to kind of blow off steam and, and you know, kill time while we're waiting for real baseball, you know, or current era baseball to start, it's really giving me a lot of good practice in uh, tracking, like, how to, you know, properly, you know, monitor other teams in drafts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, I, I totally agree with that, and that's definitely something that I've been learning and working on is, is really looking at where all y'all were, especially yesterday's because I was uh, I was competing throughout the entire throughout the entire run i'm looking okay what where can this happen in fact toward the end there i'm like who can take points away from justin with their picks Mm -hmm. please please make those picks (laughs) oh yeah the the, you and derek were heavily like invested in uh like what ryan was gonna do and what uh you know like you know tim and and brian were gonna do uh just because like, you know, they could, you know, if they made moves above me in terms of, like, whip or ERA, all of a sudden I come down and you guys gain points just by, mm-hmm. uh, just by you know, uh, their picks. So. Things move so much, mm-hmm. um, you know, pick to pick there, too, and you look like, oh, this is insurmountable, and now then all of a sudden he's moving up seven spots here. So it's awesome. It does have some, some you, can, you can apply some things that you learn here, into into your current drafts and, and how they go, like you said, with paying attention to what's going on with the team building. Obviously, it's different because we're working. We don't know the final results, but as you're building your team, if you're constantly, you know, you're in your your quote unquote real drafts, and it's like, I always set these game plans and I get skunked. Maybe this this exercise will help you keep that better track of of your opponents and give you the tools to make those contingency plans or make sure that you're not, you know, running the same exact plan as three others in your draft. So I do think there is some value there. And that's definitely something we've been talking about in the zoom calls of like, well, how are we using this in, in our real drafts outside of just having a great time with it, put some, um, you know, apply some of the lessons into our actual draft. So again, congratulations. Well done on the win 1947 coming soon. That's going to wrap us up today. Uh, Justin, great talking with you. Now, I did say Thursday for this one. Uh, That is the date that we're recording. It's probably going to come out on Friday. I'm going to have the fireside up on Thursday. So out of order there, we will get that in in, back in order there with 814 up on Thursday, 816 on Friday. And then we'll be going in order. Justin, hope you have a great weekend, sir. Take it easy.